as Amy said, my name is Russell Vick. I am the curate at Restoration Anglican, and I really am excited to be here. Um, as I've gotten to know Katie and Amy, I have just had a really special sense of just about this church and what the Lord's doing here. And I just want to say, you guys have amazing, godly, and talented pastors. And it's just been a blessing to get to know them and in my brief time here, and it's a joy to worship alongside you guys this morning. So, we are currently in the season of Epiphany, the season where we remember the mysteries that are made known, as Amy preached to you guys a few weeks ago. And in this time, we enter deeper into this mystery, that Jesus has come to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And this is the mystery being revealed, and this is the gospel that Jesus proclaims throughout his ministry. And it's particularly expressed in the first words that Jesus says, recorded in the Gospel of Mark, the time has come and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. So through Jesus, the kingdom of God has come. And he is the second David whose birth terrified the false king Herod and whose baptism was a sign of his royal anointing. He is the king who has come to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found just as we sang a little over a month ago when we celebrated Christmas. And in our gospel reading for today, we hear King Jesus describe the values of this kingdom and the people who experience this blessing. So I'm going to reread this passage to you again, but I'm just going to focus on verses 3 through 10. So if you have your Bibles handy, um, you can join me and turn to Matthew 5, verses 3 through 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Having grown up within the church, I have heard these words numerous times throughout my whole life. And if you're like me, it's easy to read a famous scripture passage like this and think you already know it. But sometimes, after you go through some painful life events, you can reread those famous scripture passages and it strikes you in a way that it didn't before. And that's what happened to me. Last year, I went through a really difficult season in my vocational life. I had recently graduated from seminary and I decided to stay at my church in New England. I stayed because I really loved my church and I wanted to be part of the really cool things that God was doing there. Unfortunately, they didn't have a job for me, so I worked as a landscaper to pay the bills and make ends meet. Um, this was rural New England, and if you've ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, those were my coworkers. They're pretty great. I actually grew to love them. They were great. But it was a really interesting transition to go from the ivory tower of seminary to rough, crass, blue-collar New Englanders whose lives are very, very different from mine. It was a pretty interesting transition. So after working as a landscaper for about three months, 
I was unexpectedly let go from my job, and I went through an unanticipated and unplanned season of an unemployment. And after two months of throwing out roughly 20 to 35 applications to various different jobs, I decided to work for an Amazon warehouse because I was so desperate for work. I worked 10-hour shifts, Monday through Thursday, from 1.20 in the morning to 11.50 around noon. And it was easily the most difficult, humiliating job I've ever worked in my life. I only lasted three weeks before my body couldn't take it anymore. And after another month of unemployment, I managed to find a job at another warehouse with a company that had a much more reasonable work schedule. But after everything that I had gone through at that point, as you can imagine, I was very deeply depressed. Throughout my whole life, I wanted to be a pastor. I actually said that I wanted to be a pastor when I was in preschool. It was either that or hunting dinosaurs, because, you know, you're in preschool. <laughs> um, and after growing up, and after being discipled and learning to disciple others, after spending seven long and quite expensive years in theological education, I was working jobs that felt deeply humiliating and unsatisfying. And I genuinely began to question whether my call was dead, and if that lifelong desire which I had as a little boy was just a naive, misplaced desire which had no place in the real world. And it was during all this weird vocational turmoil that I encountered this passage again with new eyes. And I was furious. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I really don't see your kingdom manifesting in my life right now. Really interesting. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Lord, have you really even been listening to my prayers? <laughs> I have been waiting to hear something from you for months, and you have been completely silent. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Lord, have you heard of a guy named Jeff Bezos? I worked for him, and he owns the earth. Um, I wouldn't describe him as being meek. So what's going on, Lord? What are you saying right now in this passage, Jesus? Because it doesn't make sense to me right now. In light of my experience, in light of my humiliation, in light of my broken dreams, this makes no sense. What do these future hopes have to do with my life right now? And as I began to ask these questions, I came to realize that Jesus ushers in the kingdom of heaven in a way that no one expected. And by ushering the kingdom in this unexpected way, Jesus enables his followers to experience God's kingdom in a way that is radical, revolutionary, and completely upside down to our natural inclinations. If you look at the text, you will see in verses 3 and 10 an important grammatical distinction that is different from the grammar used in the other verses. So here's verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then it's repeated again in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Maybe you've caught it already, I don't know. It's really subtle, it took me a while to catch it. I honestly really only caught it this week when I was studying. Um, But these verses use the present tense instead of the future tense used in verses four through eight. So for example, here's the verses four through six. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So yeah, I know this is a little nerdy, and it might be like boring you guys a little bit, but stick with me. There's actually, I really think, an important point here. Because whenever I heard this passage of Scripture, I would primarily understand it in terms of future promises, sort of like a kind of spiritual formula of sorts, right? So like, blessed are the X kinds of people, because eventually you do the addition, and later on, in some future unexpected part of the world, when the future comes, we don't know when, um, you will receive Y reward, right? Like, blessed are the X kinds of people, someday in the future, they will get this. That the rewards and the presence of the kingdom is something that is experienced later on. And while Jesus does appeal to a future hope, that is not the full picture of the kingdom which Jesus depicts in this passage. For Jesus... The blessing of the kingdom is not merely received in the future, but it is a present reality which is experienced right now. And the people who are blessed, the people who experience the present reality of the kingdom, are the poor in spirit and those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Don't get me wrong. I am not by any means trying to romanticize suffering or promote some sort of like spiritual masochism like you need to go out and just needlessly suffer for Jesus or beat yourself with whips or something like I'm not I'm not advocating that at all. The pain and groaning of creation as Paul describes in Romans 8 is a sign that the kingdom of God has not fully been established yet. And there is a reason that the Beatitudes use the future tense because there is still deep pain and brokenness and injustice in our present reality, which the kingdom will one day address. And praise God for that future hope. But at the same time, Jesus is clear that the reality of the kingdom can be experienced right now and not just in the future but the people who presently experience the kingdom and this reality are people we don't really see as blessed. I mean, after all, how are those who are poor in spirit blessed? How are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness blessed? How are those who are experiencing deep suffering as they follow God blessed? Those are really important questions, and those are the questions that this passage presents to us. So let me propose this. Those who experience suffering while following the Lord are blessed because Jesus is with them. Those who experience suffering while following the Lord are blessed because Jesus is with them. And wherever Jesus is present, the kingdom of God is also present. That was the gospel proclaimed right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, that the kingdom of God has come because he has come. 
When I look back upon my experiences last year, there's still a lot of things I don't understand. In addition to my vocational turmoil, I went through a lot of relational turmoil as well in almost every sphere of my life, from fights with family members to fights with friends from seminary to some of my own housemates to some people from church. It was kind of a mess. It's truly a painful year. And there are still days where I sometimes ask God, like, Lord, why did I have to go through all that? But as I look back now, and as I read the desperate and angry prayers that I journaled, and when I think back on those months when I was genuinely, like, crying every day, like, just breaking down, I've been able to see how Jesus was present with me and how the kingdom of God manifested in my life. Different people in my workplaces heard the gospel, and some of them even allowed me to pray for them right there in the workplace. Those are stories, perhaps, for another time. The kingdom manifested in ways that never would have happened if I had not gone through the things that I went through. It was the spiritual education I never received during my time in seminary. And I didn't even have to take out student loans. <laughs> um. <laughs> As a guest preacher, I don't have the privilege of knowing you like Amy or Katie know you. And that really is a privilege and it's a gift to do life with you guys as a congregation. Um, as, I've, as I've gotten to interact with some of you, this, like I said, this, my, this seems like a very special church, and the more I'm here, the more I sense that. Um, but I imagine that for some of you in this room, you are genuinely wondering what the Lord is doing in the current and painful circumstances of your life. And I'm not going to say that the pain you might be experiencing will go away anytime soon, nor am I going to pretend to know what the Lord is doing in your particular circumstances. But I do know that the Lord really wants to meet with you, especially at that table. I do know that a broken heart and a contrite spirit he has yet to deny. And I do know that if you have been baptized into his death and raised into the newness of his life, and are seeking to follow him regardless of your circumstances, then you are a blessed citizen of God's kingdom. Amen.